Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. My opinion of Caden when we first met was was just, you know, you're you're different from me. I don't understand you're kind of different. Why are you following me around and trying to get my phone number? This is weird. Um... <laughs> But I was really attracted to her back dimples, to be 100% honest. So I was like, all right, all right, we'll try. So that's the only reason that you initially texted me and agreed to go out with me. I mean, you have a winning personality, but I was was distracted by the back dimples. Okay. It was a good kind of distracted, though. The best kind, really. That was nearly a decade ago. Today, Voss and Caden are happily married. In fact, they're the first openly married queer couple working together in a legal brothel in America. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. It wasn't exactly love at first sight for Voss and Caden. While some relationships are based on similarities, the bedrock of Voss and Caden's relationship is their differences. Voss did not really like me when we first met. And when I first asked for her number, she told me no. She wanted nothing to do with me. It's um, true. <laughs> it, it was, I was very persistent and she kept turning me down. It didn't seem like it was going to work <laughs> at all. Like, I'm introverted. Caden is very, very extroverted. And our friend ended up telling me, like, years later that it was kind of an experiment for her. (laughs) And she wanted to see if we would be really good for each other or horrible for each other. And I was just like, all right, thanks. Thanks for using us. They took things slower than Caden had ever experienced. But after six months, they were inseparable. Yeah, um, I was really uh, shy, I guess you could say. And I also like I hadn't I hadn't been involved with somebody at that level in, in quite some time. So I I made Caden wait like months before she could touch me. <laughs> <laughs> they were still in high school at the time, both living with their parents. 
Caden's parents didn't exactly approve of their relationship, and Voss's parents didn't even know about it. I did come from a very uh, conservative, religious family. My, my family was very Republican, very Mormon. I went to private religious schools. Sometimes it was hard for us to see each other as much as we wanted. We still got to see each other quite frequently, but it was just... It was harder than it should have been. It was heavily regulated (laughs) by Caden's parents. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was a little difficult. I was also, I was kind of a a problem young adult, so (laughs) it's understandably so, but it took quite a bit of time before they actually acknowledged our relationship for what it was. It's very different now. (laughs) Yes. My family has a great relationship with Voss now. They see her like their own child. They are overwhelmingly supportive to the point where sometimes it's suffocating. (laughs) Yeah. Both Foss and Caden were in a lot of debt in their early 20s. They lived with Caden's parents for a little while and worked a handful of soul-crushing customer service jobs. They knew they needed more money if they ever wanted to live on their own. Voss had a plan for that. So I went on Craigslist. And I was like, I guess I'll just find whatever isn't what I'm doing right now. So I saw an ad for fetish modeling and was like, okay, I I guess I'm comfortable enough to have someone take like kinky pictures of me. I don't know. So I went to the location and I got there and they were like, no, it's not fetish modeling. This is a webcam studio. For those of you who don't know what a webcam studio is, it's part of the adult entertainment industry. There's a lot of different kinds of webcam gigs, but for this one, they wanted Voss to masturbate on camera. So I did it. And honestly, I hated it. That was god awful. Like they would monitor what was happening in my chat room. And if I didn't do something, they would get me in trouble. So I did a lot of things I wasn't comfortable with because I was told to and I didn't know, you know, hey, I'm an independent contractor. I can say no to this. So I I was miserable. And then one day I came home because I figured out they didn't tell me what campsite I was on. They made it seem like it was theirs. So I figured out that there was more than just that studio and there were more campsites and I could be doing more and making more money. So I came home and I had a conversation with Caden of, listen, I know you're really unhappy at your job too. Why don't we do webcamming together and and make more money? Once, you know, we had a conversation about everything that was going on there and we looked into it and did more research and I was just like, they, you know, they can't do this. You shouldn't be working there anymore. This is something that we should do together because it kind of, it really kind of sparked my interest. Like at, at that time, we were both working like two and three jobs each. We were putting in just ridiculous work weeks and barely making anything to show for it. And we were miserable. This was something that, it, in the beginning, it just seemed like something that was fun. It's something that we can make a little extra money on. And we started doing it together and it was just something that like we were able to blow off steam and it just was a way to unwind at the end of our hellish days in our vanilla jobs it was so strange you know being being at these quote normal jobs and being treated horribly and being degraded and talked down to and it it was humiliating to then going home signing on to a campsite which is you know in in the world's view morally wrong and degrading and humiliating and all of these things, except we never experienced any of that. Not when we were doing it together and we were 
We were completely in control of what we wanted to do when we were deciding how to do it and what we were comfortable with and okay with. And it was, I don't even know how to say it. It was just humanizing, which is kind of strange to say, but that's what it was. It made us more confident than anything really ever had. And uh, once we got to the point where we were making more money there than we were at our day jobs, where we were putting four times the amount of time into, we, we left. We decided to just pursue webcamming, and it changed our lives completely. We still had a couple ups and downs to face in the future, but getting into webcamming was the beginning of us turning our lives around. They'd been together for about six years by then. They'd made enough money to move out of Caden's parents' house, but their plan was to wait a few more years before they got married. Then the election happened in 2016, and they were afraid that gay marriage could possibly be repealed. It kind of just really freaked us out. We weren't sure what was going to happen if it did get repealed and we wouldn't have it for another four years, maybe more, have to fight for it again. And we were just like, you know what? We've been together for almost six years. We know we want to get married in the future. I don't want to wait another, you know, six to eight years. We just wanted to wait until we had more money or we were in a house because we were in an apartment at that time. We just kept thinking, oh, later when more things have fallen into place. And we just kind of realized, you know what? Our life's probably always going to be like this where we're always waiting for the perfect time. And I don't want to lose our opportunity to get married because we were waiting for a perfect time. So I don't really know if anyone really proposed to each other. We kind of just, it, we just had this, I don't know, this epiphany moment where we're like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. So we shopped for wedding rings online. <laughs> it was really romantic. Yeah. Originally, we were just going to, you know, like have a small thing, go to the courthouse, sign the papers, and then like have a dinner with our family. And it was actually, you know, my dad who kind of freaked out at that. He started bawling and crying and he was just like, you need to have a wedding. You need to have a ceremony. I don't understand. You can't just have, this is the most beautiful day of your life. And I, I was kind of surprised. I didn't think he'd want me to have, him and I had never talked about Voss and I getting married. It was something like they had come to accept her and love her, but it wasn't a conversation that we had ever had. I didn't know that they had come to the point where they saw her that much as a part of our family. And so it was kind of all of our parents that, you know, kind of convinced us to have a ceremony. And I'm so glad we did. It was beautiful. It was in a, a friend's backyard. <laughs> and we made our own flower centerpieces and the bouquet and all the boutonnieres. And we just did everything ourselves. And it was, it was really pretty. Yeah, I think we actually were able to get everything for the wedding under like $2,000, which is unheard of. Um, <laughs> so we were really proud of ourselves. And it was, it was small and it was intimate. A wedding is one of my favorite times to take a break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. 
It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Caden and Voss were now married women. They were making good money doing webcamming, and more than that, they were good at it. They were also well-respected in the industry. They'd even won some webcamming awards. But most importantly, they really liked working in the sex industry. They wanted to find a way to expand what they were doing. That's when they started looking for work in legal brothels. Now at this point, Caden and Voss were living in Nevada where prostitution is legal. There's a lot of options for brothels in Nevada, but they knew they wanted to work in a highly regulated and well-respected one. After doing all the research, like Sherry's was our first choice. We applied at a couple just as a backup that were, you know, sort of past our inspection. But Sherry's was our was our first choice. The madam reached out to us and had a phone call with us. And that was something that, I don't know, we felt like it was... It's more personal. Yeah, it wasn't. The other places seemed very, very impersonal. And so I'm really glad that it it worked out the way it did. You know, we really liked Sherry's because they are strict on not bringing drugs in. They are strict on like drink limits for ladies because it's unsafe. If you're intoxicated, you can't accurately consent to doing a certain thing. So we were like, that's awesome. The regulations on that were really important to us because we didn't want to be in an environment like that and be intoxicated. Yeah. And then also a huge thing for for me personally, and I think for Caden as well, is that all of the management at Sherry's is female. So, you know, we're in control of our bodies. We decide what we do and don't do. But I can understand how it would be uncomfortable to have a man helping you run a business that is ultimately your body and your time and your consent. I don't want some dude telling me what anything, actually. (laughs) I don't want a dude telling me shit. We wanted to work together and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to do that. So we had a conversation with the madam and it was, it was, it was all good, but we, to our knowledge, were the first couple to be allowed to do that. In a lot of ways, Voss and Caden have a very non-traditional marriage. And in other ways, they have a very traditional one. They have these clear lines between when they're working and when they're not working. If, like me, you've never been inside a brothel here in the States or talked to anyone who's worked in a legal brothel in Nevada, this is how it works. The way that our schedule works, we spend uh, two weeks at the ranch and then two weeks at home. The ranch splits us up into shifts. So we have day shift and night shift. We typically take night shift, which is 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. I actually had no idea how an American brothel worked before this interview what the shifts were like, how clients selected who they wanted to work with. Voss and Caden demystified a little bit of that for me. Here's Caden. When you first enter the ranch, you enter into a sports bar and ladies are kind of in there. And so that's how people meet the ladies. And we each take turns talking to them, seeing if we're 
if anyone makes a connection. But if someone walks in and wants to talk to ladies, and that happens to be the time that every lady is binge watching Netflix or eating or in the gym, <laughs> then they'll you know call some of the ladies in and they they call by shift. So that's kind of the only thing that the shifts indicate is it just kind of means like you know please try to be available between these times so that if someone wants to meet ladies, we have ladies for them to meet. But yeah, so for the most part, we kind of have free reign of how we spend our time when we're at the brothel. Some girls choose to spend as much of it as possible working and in the bar and trying to meet people. Some girls spend most of it in their room and just waiting until, you know, either they have a request or they have an appointment, something like that. So it's kind of up to you on how you spend your time. Voss and I, in this aspect, again, are complete opposites. <laughs> I spend my time hanging out in the bar and talking to people, talking to girls that I work with, um, talking to people that come in, looking to meet ladies, giving tours. A lot of people come in to take tours. That's a common thing. People like to tour brothels. So I spend most of my day doing that. Voss likes to spend it in her room doing marketing stuff. So Yeah, I hide. Yeah. I absolutely do not come out of my room unless I have to. Um, I'm really socially awkward. Typically what our day looks like is we wake up, we work out, and then we get ready. And then I go to the bar and I spend most of my day there. And Voss spends a lot of it in a room, but then we meet up to have like lunch and dinner together. And then uh, usually end the night watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy or something. <laughs> How do you guys deal with the stigma of being sex workers? I think that the fact that sex work is stigmatized is bullshit. So I, if anyone's like, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a prostitute. <laughs> um, and then hopefully they don't go on a tangent about how sex is a sin and you You're know going whatever. To hell. Yeah, but I straight up, I just, I started telling people like, I work in a brothel. And honestly, most of the reactions are pretty good. We had a guy come to fix our air conditioner and AC and he was like, what do you do? And we told him we're prostitutes. And he was like, really? I love porn. Porn's really relaxing. <laughs> he went on about it for like 10 minutes and we were just like, okay, we get that you like porn. That's not what we do. I'm not sure you know the difference between prostitution and porn, but okay. Yeah, um, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I obviously don't enjoy stigma, but I do get a sort of satisfaction in fighting it and trying to show people that sex workers, prostitutes, all of us, we all matter and we all are just trying to be happy and support ourselves and our families and in our case, our cats. My mother is supportive of what we do, very supportive. She asks a lot of questions all the time, which is really fun, like explaining BDSM to my 70-year-old mother, like... <laughs> I stopped talking to my father when Kate and I got married. So I don't know if he knows and I don't care if he finds out. Other than that, like most of our friends were supportive when we told them what we were doing. It, it took a while for some of them to come around. But the people that we've kept around are, are very supportive. I did have the conversation with my parents and they, you know, of course weren't thrilled and super excited, but... They were a lot more supportive than I thought they were going to be. And it was because they saw the change that it made in my life. They saw that I was happy. They saw that, you know, one of their first questions was like, is it legal to pay taxes? And I was like, yes, I pay taxes. And so they got to the point where they were like, you know what? You're safe. Everything you're doing is legal. And most importantly, you're happy, you know, and even better, you are supporting yourself. What more could I ask for? A Vasan Caden see a diverse clientele. Both women identify as bisexual, so they meet with both male and female clients. 
people have preconceived notions about the type of people that go to brothels and it's it's really unfortunate because in a lot of people's minds the only people who go to brothels are people who can't find love or people who can't get laid and just lonely or creepy people and that is so far from the truth it's it's sad a lot of men that come to brothels come because they feel like that is the only place where they can let their guard down and they can share their feelings quite recently i've been seeing a lot of people on some side of the lgbtq spectrum so i have a lot of people that come in that either just want to talk and connect to someone that kind of understands or people that are kind of trying to figure out their sexuality i have you know people come to see me that are men that have never been with women before and you know want to see if there's like a connection there i like knowing that i'm in a line of work where i actually get to make genuine connections with people and i i feel like it it makes a difference i also get a lot of fetish parties i i personally at work i'm not submissive some ladies are it's definitely not something i offer but i am dominant so i get a lot of people that come in and they're like i've never experienced with bdsm but i saw 50 shades of gray and i have to explain <laughs> like no just don't watch that or you know people that want a role switch where like they're businessmen and they are busy all the time like they're in control of everything in their lives and they just want for an hour or for some period of time to not be in control and to have somebody else tell them what to do and how to do it and when to do it. Now you might be thinking, how does this even work? How can they have a relationship when they're being intimate with other people? Well, let's go back to that friend who set Caden and Voss up as an experiment. An experiment means trying a lot of things to see if something works. And an experiment always requires rules. Hayden and Voss made up their own rules about their relationship, about what intimacy is and isn't to them. And in doing so, they've developed some serious relationship chops. They talk a lot. They talk about boundaries. They talk about honesty. They talk about what sex means and what it doesn't mean. Honestly, getting in the sex industry is, I think, what helped our communication and boundaries the most. Because we had to sit down and talk to each other and be like, are you okay with doing this online? And then it would kind of go into a conversation of, are you okay with doing that offline? And then with clients at the ranch, there are quite a few boundaries. I can't speak for Caden's boundaries with her clients because that's not my place. But for mine, there are certain services I don't offer. Um, Sherry's as a whole doesn't offer anal. But even if they did, no thank you. Um <laughs> But like, I, I, I don't let my clients kiss me. I'm not submissive, so I don't allow them to dominate me. They can't leave any marks. Like if somebody gives me a hickey or I think that they're giving me a hickey, I can end the party right away. Um, and they don't get a refund. <laughs> Katie and I have boundaries with each other that, that we regularly go over, mm-hmm. um, not just about what we are okay with with clients, what we are okay with with other ladies at the ranch, because we do multi-lady parties separately. So it's important for us to communicate what we're okay with during that time. It's something that we're always continually figuring out. Our boundaries have never been something that we set and we're like, okay, that's it. They're constantly evolving. And sometimes they're different than they usually are because that that happens. I couldn't help but wonder about jealousy. It seems like such a natural human response, but Voss and Caden say it isn't an issue for them. It's not an issue because they see intimacy with clients as work and they see intimacy with each other as something else entirely. I don't get jealous of Caden's clients. 
It gets work. It's a job. You know, in our relationship, we have had a lot of issues with communicating properly and that leading to complicated situations. But we have started to communicate about those things for the past while, and we don't find ourselves in the position of getting jealous very often. And if it is, we just, we check ourselves and we're like, why is this happening? Let's talk about this. We'll be right back after a short break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Voss and Caden got into the sex industry because they wanted to make more money. They also wanted autonomy over their own lives. Things we all want. These days they're making a good living, but they're quick to point out that they aren't getting rich off the work that they do. We make a fairly decent living. Are we rich or extremely wealthy? Definitely not. But we're living comfortably, and that's, that's what's a huge thing to us. People seem to think that the only acceptable way to do sex work is if you are making minimum a six-figure income. Yeah. And it's people need to understand that, you know what, it, it can be just a normal job. You can make a normal salary and it be okay. Like, are we making crazy money? No. We are living comfortably. You know, I'm making enough to pay my bills and to have a little bit saved. I'm not making enough to go out and buy designer clothes all the time and, and drive really expensive cars. Would I like to? Definitely. Everybody would. But that's the thing is that sex work is a job and you can make a lot of money or you can make a normal amount of money. We could make more money if we decided to do, you know, three weeks at work and one week at home. But it's, we want to make enough that we're comfortable but we're not overworking ourselves and because we like what we do. And at this point, there's a lot of times it doesn't feel like work. We really enjoy what we do and I don't want that feeling to go away. And I'm not going to give up that feeling so that I could potentially make more money because in everyone's eyes, it's only acceptable to be a sex worker if you are getting crazy rich. And I think that's so stupid. It's just a job. It's like any other job and you can like it and it's okay. So that's my two cents on it. As Caden mentioned, they spend two weeks living at the ranch and two weeks back at their own house where they have four cats. Their life at home is simple. We kind of hibernate. We've been trying to go out and do more lately, but it's more so because we have to. Um, <laughs> but we watch Netflix. We do a lot of self-care because, you know, this is a great 
job to have, but it can be very physically and emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. So while we're at home, we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. We're taking care of each other. We're, we're relaxing before we go back and do it again for two more weeks. So I cook like a lunatic all the time. Um, (laughs) But other than that, it's kind of just, just hanging out with our gaggle of cats. I think it's actually a clouder of cats. What do you two want for your future? So I plan on being at the at the brothel for a while. I I like the money that I make there. I like the environment that I work in. I like being able to have control over what I do and do not do. But I'm attempting to to save up some money to start a nonprofit for at-risk youth in the future. I'm not exactly sure how long I plan on being at the brothel and in the sex industry. I want to do it for as long as I possibly can. For a long time, it's always been a passion of mine to, I want to become a first responder. I want to get my EMT certification and become a paramedic. So for a long time, I've kind of been waiting because throughout that, there's a lot of schooling that I want to do, which costs money. And then EMTs do not make a, do not make a very good living, which is unfortunate. (laughs) So I want to kind of have a little bit of a nest egg before I jump into it and have some things pay it off. Caden told me something that really surprised me. She said that sex work has given her a confidence that she never thought she could have. Ironically, I have more free will and free reign of everything that I do in this industry than I have in any other before it. I get to decide what I'm worth, and that's something that I've never experienced. For my entire life before sex work, every job I've ever worked, you know, someone put a dollar sign on my forehead and said, you can't exceed this. This is what I think you're worth, and I don't care how hard you work, that's the most you're ever going to make. And that, to me, is one of the most degrading feelings I've ever had, not not being in sex work. Sex work, to me, has never felt degrading. It just hasn't. I don't feel humiliated. I don't feel dehumanized. When I think back about what has made me feel degraded or dirty or just any form of embarrassed or humiliated, It's that idea of living paycheck to paycheck and not knowing how I'm going to pay my bills or how I'm going to feed my family or knowing that no matter how hard I work, it won't make a difference. We have this thing where we we used to surround ourselves with toxic people all the time. And in sex work, we have learned how to be like, listen, you're not good for me. I can't have you around me. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the biggest things that it's done in terms of helping our relationship is that it taught us to set very healthy boundaries. And one of the biggest ones was setting boundaries with each other and figuring out the kind of people that we wanted to be for ourselves and for each other. Voss and Caden's relationship began as an experiment. And in a lot of ways, it's continued as one. They've both evolved, pushed boundaries, and tried new things to try to figure out what works best for them and for their marriage. In almost every area of our life, it has improved things. For us as individuals and as a married couple. When we started in sex work, our communication improved dramatically. And a lot of things improved dramatically. I don't feel like we're perfect now, 
but I feel like we are better than we ever have been. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. With special thanks to Voss and Caden Blake. It was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Tyler Klang, and Julie Douglas. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.